0: Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a special guest with me, Baz Bedrosian. Hello, Baz. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Kevin. Delighted to be here.
0: So, Baz tell me a little bit about you and i know you're you're an experienced cfo but tell me a little bit more
1: right um where do i start i mean i, I think the, the the best way of describing you know where i've been and what i've done is it's sort of been very shortly um in summary form is in three parts um, first part of my career um at the early years as i call them it's a bit unorthodox because i went through the usual um you know got the accountancy degree and then uh uh, joined a firm of small partners, um, small partner firm and in Richmond upon Thames and um, couldn't couldn't pass all my P1s and P2s together in those yeah. you know, days I, of childhood. I remember
0: those P1s and P2s. You know. <laughs> yes. As I've said on this podcast before I'm still expecting a letter from the Institute show I, I've heard you say that on
1: you've you've 2 you, I've heard you say that on previous shows and they, they, I do smoke at it because I have similar recollections. Um, but anyway so went through that process after three four years got what was called in those days as time barred um sounds quite a radical statement but it basically means you can't pass your exams all at once decided to move on however having gained real good experience with businesses and how they tick um having audited them for four years um then i would i stay i joined a company in the sort of promotion products industry which went through a number of Takeovers and acquisitions, and that's where I really got my grounding. So, hmm. my sort of middle years, my second stage. Um, I, I, I had no inclination of going back and studying, um, but um, you know, a few years back, well, like twenty-two years ago, when my wife turned around and said, "I'm pregnant again," it made me think twice about going back and doing yeah. the more flexible ACCA qualification, which I successfully did because I had some exemptions as well. Um, and um, you know, really qualified, and um, you know, my things seem to change overnight. Got some yeah,
0: but don't, don't you think some of it makes a lot more sense at the stage where you've you've actually done a lot of stuff in practice? Um, yeah. yes. you know When you are doing P1, and P2, it's not long after you graduated. It's all theory. Yes. You've done some audit, but that's that's about it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, and what was great during my fourteen years um the promotion products companies is, is i saw a, a lot of change a lot of business transformation um a lot of technology coming on board to help with processes um that were previously done manually. even using kalamazoo books in the early days
0: i remember those yes i've got i've got memories of going on the the oh. In a similar, qualified in a similar small firm to yourself, Baz, and I've, I've got memories of those jobs where you went out and you prepared the account, you did the audit, and you did tax with tax. That's and right, that's right. And there, was the always, time. And yeah, there was always Kalamazoo that fine was, line, just,
1: wasn't there? Yes. There was always that fine line between, well, can you actually do the uh, audit if you've done some of the accounts as well? Well, we've got a different team doing that, and, uh, you know, we got by. And uh, it, was a, it was a great time, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. And then I would say sort of the third stage was, you know, Getting to uh, you know a certain age, we're thinking, got itchy feet about being a, an FD or a CFO. And um, uh, I parted company with with the with the with the organisation, having spent many glorious years there, and um, went on to my first CFO role, oh, FD role at the time. Um, and then it's like a number nine bus, you know. I, I moved once, and then I seem to have moved every few years since then um and that's been the the, the sort of the, the growth in my profile in the sort of what i would call the sort of exec years yeah uh, in those exec
0: years you, you've worked with some reasonable sized organizations but
1: yes um i have um my, my most recent role which i left in december um um was probably the the biggest role um happy to name the company Sedexo, it's on my linkedin profile um and uh, it was two years of, um, you know, uh, business transformation and and lots of stuff, technology, and uh, making some real um, good friends out of colleagues that I've, I've left behind. But um, yeah, so I've had a number of CFO roles, um, one commercial director role, and throughout the whole process, um, loved every minute of it. <laughs> With the ups and downs that go along with the, oh, there are
0: always there are always ups and downs, and if it is if it was all uh, sun is shining, it would be a bit of a boring world. It's it's actually some of those downs that make it interesting sometimes.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. But I I guess looking looking at the companies that you work for and the, ro- the the roles you've been in, Baz, it it strikes me that kind of your thing is business turnaround.
1: Is that right? Um. Business turnaround, financial turnaround. Um, Yes, it does. I, 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 I think sometimes, Kevin, that you, it's very rare that you walk into a role, CFO or finance, you know, strategic finance-based, where everything's ticking along, hunky-dory, and -hmm. there's no nothing, nothing to do. Usually, those roles. Either don't exist or people don't vacate them. <laughs> um, and you know, especially in the in the in the current market over the last few years, especially in the last twelve months, I think there's there's a lot of business transformation, you know, uh, going on. And yeah, I would say that my my skill set is more akin to going in, you know, sorting out stuff, getting the right people in place, and being able to support the business, add value. Um, with the executive team, obviously, um, you know, being in tow.
0: As you're walking into a new organisation, and you've probably got some inkling that uh, your role that you've been recruited to do is, is to solve a particular set of problems. So, your experience, where do you start? You've arrived on day one, what happens next?
1: Yes, very good question. That's, that's, that's a question that probably has a hundred answers. My view of it is the first thing to do is the absolute must. Um, do very little, actually understand the business, understand the, the, the team that you're going to be working with, you know, understand the strategic vision of the organization and, and, and be able to come to some conclusions um, independent conclusions I think is important um, and really really get to understand the, the nitty-gritty side of how what makes people in the business tick.
0: So yeah you, you're coming in you I'd agree with that and do very little and your, your remit is is probably talking to people finding out yeah. as much as possible and you I, I guess you've got as the, the new guy you've got a honeymoon period You've been brought in to do something specific, so you can't get away with doing very little for too long. So, how, how long do you think that honeymoon period tends to last? But I
1: would I would say most of the you know the, the, my recent roles do very little for a very little amount of time. But you're absolutely right when I say do very little. It absolutely means to understand the business um, and to talk to people, talk to the stakeholders. You know, talk to um, you know the senior management team, talk to Middle managers understand, you know, what their view is of the business, what makes it tick, what makes them tick. And most importantly, is is try and, um, in terms of the first action point, I would say is try and build or look at the team that's currently in place and, um, you know, view their finance capabilities. I think that's you know, the, the n- number one objective in terms of people would be to ensure that you've got the right people in place for for teams and and that's that's not an easy task because sometimes you know you you do have the right team in place and sometimes you have to make small tweaks sometimes you may need to make um wholesale changes um I've been very fortunate that in most of my sort of you know senior exec roles I've had the right team in place made some tweaks and actually sometimes you can have the right team in place but I heard a comment the other day through one of the seminars I was on where um, get the right people on the bus. Well I had the right I've always had the right people on the bus, all the most, but changing some seats, that yeah, makes I sense. Say,
0: are, they, are they necessarily sitting in the right, in seat? the right seats? That, yes. that would be one of the things I'd think about is is finding out what people want to do, what makes them tick. Have you actually aligned these people yeah. with their strengths or are you getting them to do things that they might be a bit weak at? You're never going to train and do anything different. So find somebody else to do that
1: bit. Absolutely. And um, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to have um, you know, relatively good, strong finance teams, you know, finance leaders as well in my team. And uh one thing I've learned throughout my career in terms of people is um, you know, treat people how they'd want you'd want to be treated. Um probably one of the things I learned in the early years of auditing had a very shrewd partner that taught me that phrase and it's always stuck with me throughout my uh, you know. 25, 30 years of um, career building.
0: It's funny that, that I, I certainly find myself in a lot of situations where I'm thinking back across career and I, I tend to think, oh, what would so-and-so have done in this position? And there's, there's kind of three or four people like that that I really respect from giving advice, or having worked with in the past, and I, I kind of try to become them in certain circumstances. Yeah. 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 But, OK, so you, you've got the right finance team, does, but you've still got problems to sort out yeah where are we go where are we going with sorting the problems out What's, What what tends to be your approach to that
1: i think in terms of um the transformation activity um you've got to make sure that you've got the right resource in place and the right skills in place to ensure that the the bau side of the business is still you know you know, working as effectively and efficiently as possible um, in light of the circumstances. And that needs uh, a degree of attention in terms of making sure that the bills are getting paid, cash is coming in, um, you know, everything's uh, working in order in terms of the prime books of entry um, and that, you know, you're... Uh, you're compliant with the obviously, auditing requirements and so on. Um, you know, transformation exercises can take, um, you know, I've been involved where they can take anything up to from three months to two years, um, depending on the, um, you know, company size um, and uh, ensure that you've got the right skills in place and actually the right, you um, you know, we call it Chinese walls in the audit world, obviously, right? Um, The people in place to do the transformation stuff, which um, I think sometimes companies um, don't necessarily realise that to muddle that up with the BAU activity can actually uh, put the project back um, quite a bit. Um, Sometimes it's a a necessity because of the lack of resources, Um, but I think that's where... I've read, again, an ACCA article the other day, 75% of transformation projects either don't meet the right deadline or uh, do not come in on budget because um, the, there's a, the muddying of the lines between BAU and the transformation activity. So that's a really good lesson. I've seen that,
0: that on, on consulting projects and finance transformations and so on over the years. That, yeah getting a hold of the right people for the right amount of time to contribute to the project is always an issue. I don't know about you, Baz, but I've I've got a view that says, if you've really got a transformation to do, put your best people on the transformation project and free all their time up and backfill those people in their day roles, rather than bring in people that don't know the business to do the transformation. I don't know if that, that rings true with you or not.
1: It it does, and um, on, on on one project it it absolutely did, and and it worked. Um, you know, it was a transformation project. Basically, include included um, uh, the implementation of a new finance system. That was followed by the implementation of the new HR system. That was followed by the implementation of a new project management system. and um, It was a number of years ago, and the it was relatively a small company, but the processes are still the same. You've got to get the right team in place to do the, you know, to to, to work on the transformation. And we actually got um, interim, a couple of interims in to help with the BAU activity. Um, And the project lasted actually around six months and we did deliver it, you know, on time in full. Um, And, you know, it helped with forming our future strategy going forward. So you're absolutely right. And, and then I've been involved in a bigger transformation project where, you know, you know that you do sometimes use the skill set of, um, you know, external resources, including some of the you know, consultancy arms of, of, of big audit firms to help with, um, you know, some of the project activity because obviously they're quite big.
0: Yeah, and certainly that's the sort of stuff that I've been doing as bread and butter for the last oof, 20 years. and. <laughs> Yeah, and some of the things you end up doing, it's I, I think it's it's right to bring in consultants to do some things because you know if we do it as consultants day in and day out, we have a certain expertise. If if your people are doing the same thing, you're not likely to have, they're, they're not likely to have done it before. You've got to train them up from scratch and so on. So it, it is efficient in some ways, but I, I definitely believe very much in joint consultant client teams that are working together. Um, I'd always say as consultants, you do it with the organization, you never do it to the organization.
1: Absolutely. And actually in the instance where I described, you know, the six month transformation plan, um, the consultant actually stayed a partner of the business um, on and off for a number of years. Um, And that obviously is very conducive to the strategic vision of the business in terms of moving forward because they've been involved with you uh, uh, during a process where there's been a lot of change and they you know they've, they've enjoyed that um yeah. process with you endured enjoy enjoyed whichever way you look at it um and you're absolutely right they learn you know they they, they do learn and, you know let's be honest you know we both work with large-scale consultants who you know some of some from the big four where They've seen this a number of times, so they are experts in, yeah. in what they're
0: doing. And quite often, you, you come in to solve problem A. And once you get solving problem A, you work out actually problem A isn't a real problem, it's problem B, and you need to sort a project out, out to put that right. And the, the number, I always joke and say that the project brief that you start with on day one is never the project you end up delivering.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I'll go back to that project I described. We didn't know at the time that we were going to update the project management side of the business as well um yeah. which we still working off you know excel spreadsheets and mm-hmm. and um you know <laughs> um, word documents and so on in terms of process and 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 uh, how to do things um and we you know the finance system um was actually the easy win you know we put a new finance system in there but then there was a lot of project work that the company had, um, you know, needed to basically automate, and um, the company that we got the uh, finance system through, they said, "Well, we, you know, you do know we have got a, a clean suite of items that lead to an ERP system." We didn't quite go for the ERP; the company was too small. But certainly, uh, once we put the HR system in place and the payroll, which we outsourced. Um, which worked hand in hand with the HR system, feeding through all the journals at the end of the month to the account system, um, and then bolted on the project management system. um After what you said just now, which you know, yeah, sometimes it's identifying problem B that's the problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So Baz, that that's sort of in the financial systems mm-hmm. angle of this. But now, what what's your experience of that? Uh, necessary transformation having to be genuine business turnaround the business is losing a stack of money and you've got to do something pretty dramatic pretty quick to save things is that's a situation you've been in as well
1: yes um you know recall a business where you know i've gone in and done the you know the the bit at the beginning that we described in terms of you know having the right team in place and uh seeing what needs to be done. And I, I call it lifting the bonnet and yeah. uh, having, having a look what needs to be done and uh, seeing a few leaks <laughs> <They> <laughs> do. everywhere yeah. and sorting, yeah. out, you know, sorting out the mess. Um, and um, I think what you've got to be careful of is trying not to do uh, too much too quickly and yeah. having a, a good plan um, is yeah. absolutely essential. Good project plan. And, um, you know, the business was actually going through a huge change, um, including, you know, looking at whether or not the location was correct in terms of the, you know, the future. A number of locations, actually, um, downsizing the locations. Um, also looking at, um, you know, system implementation. Um, and also um, ensuring that, again, you've got the right balance between um, external support and internal expertise. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the risk of not getting it right, um, at the beginning, um, sort of, you know, cascades down to the, um, success or the not so much failure, but the, the, the delay or deferment of, of, um, you know, project milestones, mm-hmm. um, and that's very critical. You've got to ensure that you've got the right plan, right people in place, and the right transformation activity internally, as well as with the support for external stakeholders.
0: Yeah. Do you think, in that sort of turnaround, the CFO is the right person to be leading it?
1: It's a very good question. I think this. I think the CFO is is absolutely the right person to be involved at the. Sort of, you know leadership level, but you know, i I've seen a situation where it's been led by the ceo yeah um um and, and I've also seen a situation where um it's been led by an external party yeah um so the answer to that question is probably depends on the circumstances that the requirement um is basically um you know validated by the business um Obviously, finance will be heavily involved either way. And obviously, as the leader of finance, CFO, the FD or head of finance, uh, depending on the type of organisation, will be absolutely key to um, you know work alongside colleagues and external parties to to deliver the outcomes.
0: Yeah, and that, the reason I ask Baz is that my last permanent employer, before going as an independent consultant, um, we effectively went through one of those sorts of transformations and well the transformation failed um Not really mainly we, we were in an extreme set of circumstances um the company that i worked for originally I, I joined having left pwc when ibm took over the consulting business i followed the head of uk consulting into a, a small consultancy as employee number 60 the aim was always to have a, a transformational event um, a, a business sale or flotation and so on. And we got there. The, the guy, the, the CEO took us to that point and we were bought by um, a, an outsourcing business. They'd started off as a, as a construction business. They'd become project management, more and more into consultancy, more and more into outsourcing. Um, essentially, they really only had one customer. And that one custom was UK government. Now, we we came into, not long after they bought us, and they, the government at the time was having great difficulty through the financial crisis, having to bail banks out, and so on and so forth. General election 2010. Yeah. Suddenly, we've got the coalition coming in, and we went into austerity. That's not a very good place for a, a, an outsourcing business and a project management business. And 50% of our business was the client was the, the highways agency. We were, right. we were managing road programs, things like that. Um, suddenly highways agencies stopped spending money overnight. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of bits of government stopped spending money. We, we were the consulting bit. Um, I ended up being seconded internally to work directly for our strategy director who was running the transformation, which was basically saying, how the hell do we turn this business around? We've got to somehow manage to lose cost as quickly as we're losing revenue, or we're gonna be in a mess. There's nothing we can do about revenue because our only customer isn't spending any money. Um, The CFO was heavily involved in talking to banks talking to cus- talking to debtors things like that trying just to hang their cash flow together and didn't have time really to get involved in the transformation um so we we started having done all easy stuff which was well people that are chargeable to projects no longer have a project you get rid that's the simple stuff the harder stuff was then saying wait a minute we've got a company that's grown by acquisition has never ever rationalized businesses we've got 10 back offices where we actually need one so we started doing shared services projects and things like that just really to chuck extra cost out of the overhead as quickly as we could and yeah it was it was the strategy director that was was effectively leading it because the cfo was just plain too busy trying to keep the company afloat
1: do you think do you think um so what you're saying from my understand it, um, is that the economic factors absolutely overwhelmed the sort of transformational activity. Or that, yeah. The, the, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny you should say that, and <laughs> uh, I don't, it, it really a, a similar story around the same time with myself. akin um, to what you described, um, you know, I, I um, experienced my first, say, first, because I've had two instances. Um, of winding up an organisation, um, which was obviously sad in terms of the people and the and the, and the you know the, the, the sort of the personal side of um, having colleagues who obviously were, were told at a certain stage that unfortunately the company no longer had funds to continue. Um, that was um, you know the business that I worked for around the same time, mm-hmm. which was also affected um, by around the twenty ten some of the following the credit crunch, some of the recessionary measures, um, lack of funding and um, it was pretty much funded by a single benefactor. and um, it was a it was a pretty traumatic time in terms of the the company but just you know in terms of an exit plan, the business did have an exit plan like um, you were describing. A similar story to yours. I think um, what I didn't appreciate um, until, you know, two, three, four years after that, it just teaches you a different side of business. And, um, at the time, it was quite traumatic personally as well as professionally um, because you know you feel as you know, you're a finance director, um, you feel like you know you, you, you failed in, in, in your role, but it also teaches you a lot of lessons about. Character building, you know, yeah. some of that softer stuff, but actually it's quite hard.
0: Yes. It's hard skills yeah. as
1: well. Yeah. Character building and and how to manage the, the cash flow and how to see um we couldn't we couldn't refund it because in terms of you know going out there and seeking funding, because you know, we would have been on the on the edge of you know trading insolvently. And as as you well know, I'm sure you've been a director of many companies. That's not something you, you know. You, no, you
0: don't,
1: don't something no, to no, consider that. No, we, we called in the insolvency practi- practitioners at the right time, and you know, I worked with them to ensure that um, we could extract as, as much funding as possible for you know, the individuals in the company to, to yeah. Um And I had a similar instance where I went into a company a couple of years after that, um, more of an interim FD role where it was really flagging and it was at the time again 2010 2011 where the property market was was struggling and and um i when i looked at this company's books initially there was no way that it should survive but we did some deals with with um with suppliers we had a a credit a cva cred- credit voluntary arrangement um and we managed with the help of um, professional parties we managed to myself and the directors managed to uh, sell it off and it was a big yeah. success and that company is still going strong today so it's, it's it's you know you've got the two ends of the spectrum there in terms of how you know both companies were in transition in mm-hmm. terms of you know trying to grow but how external factors affect what's going on yeah I think back
0: to to my
1: experience
0: time and think well actually at any point in my career over those probably six 12 months we were trying to turn the business around I probably learned more over those 12 months than possibly any other 12 months in my career and I was in that nice position of not being the CFO, finance director, therefore not having to worry about how much is in the bank, how the hell are we going to pay these bills, how are we going to meet payroll next month, yeah. um, but being effectively the right-hand finance guy for the strategy director. And you know, John and I had some fantastic fun going, going into hard-nosed zero-based budgeting sessions. It wasn't the budget round, but effectively we we went in there with with every budget holder in the back office and said, OK, take me through your budget line by line. I don't want to know what the, the amounts are by the headings in the general ledger. I want to know what you are actually spending that money on, I want to know really what it's doing. So we went through the marketing budget. We went through the publicity budget. We went through the HR budget and. I was playing the role of come on, tell me what the number is. In. Explain to me what that's five thousand pounds is for or that ten thousand pounds. And so I was playing good cop. <laughs> John was playing bad cop. And just, yeah, okay. You can't have that anymore.
1: Yeah. It, it, and it, it, starting
0: starting that argument off to, for somebody to tell you it was an absolutely essential line. I mean, we we canned in one of those sessions, we canned the whole graduate recruitment scheme.
1: Yeah.
0: Now the whole, we we had a big grad recruitment program, and we yeah. would take 100, 150 grads every year, and we we just drew a red line through it in in one two hour meeting.
1: Now, unfortunately, was it do they call it? I suppose they call it discretionary spend that that gets the yeah. uh, that's the job in the first instance.
0: As we went further down the road as well, we started looking at the property portfolio, mm-hmm. and we got a property guy along alongside us who is also part of the consulting practice, and normally did property reviews for clients but basically Alan and I went through the the property portfolio and saying well hang on a minute we've got office there we've got another one it's only 20 miles away now we've got rid of people so they're both only half full right okay Alan work out which one's the which one's the best one to get rid of (laughs) and and my role ended up being, you know, we, we had all of these plans in place to stop spending money. And I then became the the bad cop that, that went around sort of three months after we'd had the review meeting, looking at the actual spend. And it was kind of, okay, tell me why you're, you're still spending money there. Thought we agreed three months ago that was out of the window. And it was all the substitute well. We didn't quite get around to giving the the, the, the three months notice to that person in the right time or no. And, Actually, that, that the first piece of experience of doing the, the zero-based budgeting piece, but then the bit afterwards of actually making sure what you'd agreed was followed through on was, was very, very interesting. But that sad day came when John pulled the transformation team into his office one by one, and it was, sorry, guys, we've done a hell of a lot here, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to let you all go.
1: Well. Yeah, very sad and uh, you know like i said it's sad sad days are when you have to get up in front of you know your whole staff base and say unfortunately we're calling the uh insolvency practitioner in tomorrow um because uh you know our funding is no longer available and we haven't got enough time to go to do the rounds so to speak uh, that's that's what uh, people call it but um coming back to your transformation discussion um I think where I've seen, you know, business transformation, finance transformation projects that I've worked on or led or jointly led, the the most successful ones are the ones where don't try and take on the whole world and change everything. It's more the smallest differences. It's all about making the smallest differences Mm. and allowing, you know, colleagues, stakeholders, um, whether external or internal, um, understand that that small difference will add value in some respects mm-hmm. somewhere down the line um you know and, and some sometimes it does mean you know it involves some restructuring or like you said looking at the granular side of costs and ensuring that you make some tough decisions and you know i don't know a business that i've worked for or you know similar peers working for businesses they work for where that's not the case you know um you know you can go going to finance roles and people are always a little bit sceptical about what's the new guy going to do yeah and actually at the end of the day you you just want to do the best for the company Mm -hmm. um add some value and by the time you've left leave it in a better state than when you joined i mean that's that's always one thing that i always try to strive for you know have i left a role in a better position than when i joined it you know yeah i'd say most times i have
0: yeah so, Baz, as, as sort of accountants finance guys, to us sometimes it's all about the numbers, but it's really all about the people. So what about taking those people on a journey with you? What's What's your advice on that one?
1: That's probably the um, the, the, the hardest part of it, because you've got to use... You know, all, all, all your soft skills, all your leadership skills, and all your—you know—it's not about spreadsheets and systems. Hmm. And it's all the stuff
0: you never learned. To yeah, it's about. Exams,
1: uh, it? uh, I've, I've got, I've got um, three. Let's call them values that I abide by in terms of how to bring along a team um, to to basically you know, understand what I'm trying to do in a leadership finance role. Um, not necessarily all the time agree, but understand. And Mm. those three things there are, honesty, Mm. you know, be transparent with people, Um, communicate, and then communicate some more, and then communicate again.
0: Yeah, especially especially management is when you think you've communicated enough, you haven't, do it again.
1: Yes, I think I I also heard you say that the other day on one of the podcasts, so I thought I'd copy it straight out of your book. Um, and, And actually, in the last year, that's been extra tough. I'm sure for yeah for for a lot of people, and uh you know, even before I left the Sodexo role, and is to say the thing that we've lost more most in this isolated period is the fact that you know human beings are tactile, you know we mm-hmm. shake hands or you know sometimes we hug colleagues and we mm-hmm. celebrate, and uh you know we 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 have lost that, and yeah it's been harder to communicate, you know we can only communicate like communicating like this on a podcast, which is great, but you know, the face to face, nothing beats face to face. And I know,
0: and you, you can have those formal meetings, but there's there's no real replacement for yeah. you know, that chat at the coffee machine when it's... Exactly. you uh, how's hear going,
1: Steve. You hear something in the corridor, you see yeah. something where there's an interaction between a couple of people, there's laughter, there's smiling, you know, those things that that I think, you know, everyone I speak to misses the most. And so honesty, communication, and, and the last one probably the most important, clarity. Mm. What are we trying to actually achieve? Yeah. And, and it's it's not just about, you know, just what we're trying to grow to a certain level of percentage or a certain turnover level. What are we trying to achieve for the organisation? You know, um, a great quote from Steve Jobs, not so much a quote, but a, a philosophy where um, I think he used to say, it was never about Apple being number one. It's about, it was about Apple Giving to its consumers what they wanted or what they should have. Yes. Number one comes after that because if That's right. number that,
0: number one is a function of getting exactly. the relationship
1: with the customers exactly. right. Yes. You, know, you hear every most companies in the the financial press. It's all about growth and being number one. But actually, that in my book, and I hope I'm not using this as a darkie statement for my future career. But actually, if your customers are happy, number one will come. Mm. Or number yes. two. Number
0: two is good. So, Baz, that has been a fantastic canter through the world of, of transforming a business when you arrive. And if you're out there with a business that needs transforming and needs a CFO to take you through it, well, by strange coincidence, Baz is available to join you at the moment. So please give him a call or find him on LinkedIn. And if you want to find out a whole load more about soft skills and so on, there's loads and loads of that inside Grow CFO within the future CFO program, within the finance leader program. Um, So, yeah, today, thank you, Baz. That has been a great, great conversation.
1: Thank you very much, Kevin, and thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure.